I have this um, picture of me that I can show you from childhood of it's me and my sister. And this is probably, I showed it to a friend the other day and she was like, this is the peak 90s. <laughs> my sister's wearing a choker and overalls. Um, Wait, what kind of choker? Like the... Like a sort of black plastic mm-hmm. choker. Yes, yes, yes. The kind of expandy, stretchy ones. Yes. Like, yeah. Pre, pre-goth, which she did go into her emo yep. phase shortly thereafter. Um, and then I was dressed in, so- like my whole soccer uniform I was getting out of soccer practice. And under one arm, I have my soccer ball and un- under the other, I have... Felicity Merriman. Okay, Hannah. We just finished making two enormous, comprehensive episodes about American Girl. That we did. The brand, the story, the history, the making of. Yeah. Um, and as we were doing this, basically everyone I talked to was like, oh, American Girl. <laughs> Uh, so I decided to, um, I was visiting my hometown this summer, and I decided I wanted to go to the library to see if I could find the books on the shelves where they were in my memory. There they are. There they are. Okay. Okay, wait, so Some we have... Some of them have the old original, and the Kirstens, and happy birthday, Addie. Meet Felicity. Oh, so there's... Okay, the birthday is different from the surprise. Maybe there isn't a surprise one. No, I didn't think it's a surprise. But this looks like old. This looks like. Let's look These are the original. This is the original. Let me just. um, August 98. So this is like. I would have read. And Hannah? Yes. They were still there. Just like the exact copies. In the same spot? In the same spot. Um, And I went with my friend Molly, Molly Schaefer, uh, who also was super into this project. A peek, a peek into, into the, the past. past. <laughs> I remember that they would say I in the Felicity. And she was the one who came up with the question, which doll were you? The question. The question. This experience was just one of many, many, many people who, when I told them about American Girl or when I posted about it on Instagram, as one is wont to do, um, responded with just these incredible comments or rich memories or telling me, you know, I learned about wealth from American Girl. I learned about history. I reenacted um, these scenes from the stories over and over and over again. And they were such beautiful comments. You got them too. Oh, yeah. And we just thought that we should have a little bonus treat to hear from some of those people and someone um, who is bringing American girls to life in a really beautiful way. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, we we interviewed all of these historians and, and, and they, they were all, great. They were great and they thought about this really deeply. But as it turns out, lay people or people who are not like experts in American girl have also thought about this really deeply. Everyone had something to say and we wanted to give some of those people a place to say it. Uh, Okay, quickly, I'm Hannah McCarthy. You are Justine Paradise. I am. And this is a Civics 101 bonus episode, which we don't really do. (laughs) But then we also don't typically make episodes about dolls. And then we went and did it. So uh, here we are. It's just a little treat, a little extra to hear from. (laughs) I got so many comments when I put it out on Instagram and I was like, we should hear from you. If you're listening to this episode right now, and you are, I'm hoping it's because you care about government or civics or politics or American Girl Dolls. Whatever the reason, 
You care, right? So do we. A lot. That's why we make this show and pour so much honest-to-goodness care into it. If you're in a position to help us keep on keeping on, please consider making a donation to the show. It's especially easy and fun right now because when you click on the big red bar at the top of the civics101podcast.org homepage and make a donation of $60, you will receive the Civics 101 baseball cap, and this cap is amazing. I love it so very much, and you will too. Classic black with a simple message. It just says Civics 101. Show the world you care and protect your precious eyes and face from the rays of our sun. Also, everyone who makes a donation of any amount gets the new Civics 101 sticker. Nick came up with it, and it's very fun. Head over to civics101podcast.org right now or just after this episode. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I wanted one so bad. Any of them. My favorite was Samantha, then Felicity, then Molly, then Josefina. Um, my mom was from Mexico, so Josefina had a special place in my heart. My Nana would bring us treats from Mexico all the time, so I loved her. Justine, you over the course of making this episode and then after spoke to several friends, right? Yeah, my friend Michelle. Michelle is so great. She actually makes dolls herself uh, and sells them. So um, expert, I would say, Ooh. to speak on the dolls. Samantha, you know, that Victorian beauty. Molly, I looked just like Molly and Felicity. Just loved that that outfit and, you know, all of the furniture that came with her. Um, I mean, any of them. We couldn't afford it when I was younger, but we would get the free catalog whenever that came out. I think it was quarterly. And the spread of the doll would be the two, they would be the whole spread sideways. So I'd hang, I'd cut them out and then hang them up, the ones that I wanted the most, on my bedroom wall. The thing that struck me most about this tape from Michelle is that she actually, she feels fulfilled, like re-American girl dolls, by living basically vicariously through her daughter. Yeah. Uh, My daughter has Felicity. Um, the original Felicity handed down to her from my mother-in-law, from one of her girls. And I, it kind of fulfills it. You know, it was really exciting in the beginning. Still really want Samantha, though. One day, maybe one day. One day she'll be mine. I identified most with Molly. I had the red hair, the pigtails, the glasses. But I really, like, loved Samantha. I wanted to be Samantha. Excited to have them in my life now. Kind of like a you know, keystone of my childhood, regardless of whether I actually had the physical doll or not. Also, her daughter is a a really special wild one, so fits with the whole episode. (laughs) Absolutely, that does fit. I also really loved, like, the way that she really specifically knew the order of her favorite dolls. Like, Samantha, then Felicity, then Molly, then Josefina. (laughs) It's very, like, the child comes out yes. when she's speaking about it. I love it. You have it. your lists in childhood. Like, you know exactly the answer to things. If right? color is blue and then pink and then right. green and then yellow. Yes, right, yeah. right. And it's like that hierarchy is really well-established and important. So we're going to hear from other friends and guests as to what American Girl actually means to them throughout this episode. But I also wanted to bring in someone who very much keeps American Girl relevant today. They're actors. They're actors. What you see in these films, that's work. You know, they have decided to work on these non-union film projects with me because their legs aren't fully attached. 
her eye can't stay open. They live in a closet. And to show up to work every day and then receive that kind of feedback, you know, when you all leave those comments, who's on the other side reading them? This is Nicole Daniels. I first discovered Nicole because Instagram knows that any content involving period pieces, um, comment on public radio or nonprofits and or historical reenactment is content that I will consume. And yes, I am watching Nicole's videos on Instagram and not on TikTok because TikTok (laughs) intimidates me. It stresses me out. That's just the truth about me. I think I discovered Nicole. She uses American Girl dolls as actors as if they are you know like serious professionals um and there's there's different videos where she uh sort of addresses them as such and it is just unbelievably funny the way that she does it so i am an actor and writer who creates content on tiktok and instagram that explores themes of history queerness labor, labor as it relates to nonprofits and as it relates to babysitting and a lot of intersections therein Um, and many silly things as well, whether rap public radio or um, using the American Girl dolls in more irreverent ways, I would say. There's a whole video she had where um, the dolls are all members of a cult. Or it's implied that they're members of the cult, a cult, and that maybe she's she's somehow a part of the cult. Nicole herself is a part of the cult. How do you feel? I'm nervous. A cult of American girl dolls. If you thought they were friendly, sweet, and historical, think again. What was that one? American girl dolls gone bad or something? Gone wild. Yeah. American girl dolls gone wild. Masterful manipulators. Sometimes the dolls are supposed to be just American girl dolls, and sometimes they're supposed to be just children. And it's always played for jokes, always played for humor. Mm-hmm. But also... The fact that she's using these dolls just feels like this secret handshake or something. Like, if you know, you know. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's the age that people are at now and the time of looking back at a certain kind of reflection. Um, I Also, there's so many great Instagram and other accounts of silly American Girl content. I feel as though before I only saw collectors who would post... These are the special clothes I made, and I don't relate to it that. I think it's great if that is how someone is connected to it. My way is the silly way, Um, though I do have a lot of love for the dolls. But I I do think that social media and people creating like I do, but just funny content is part of that. I personally would not on social media have gotten really into accounts where it was like, here is my perfectly preserved American Girl stuff, but I am deeply enamored of people using the American Girls in a different way. It feels like coming into American Girl fanhood from the side in this way that's not like, here's the story of this doll in a series, kind of like how we did it in the last episode, actually, (laughs) you know, Um, but uh, but more, you know, we we. These dolls are alive to us almost still. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. It's interesting because Nicole is playing with them kind of like how we played with them. As kids. As kids. Yeah. Yeah. There's this one bit that she does with Samantha that Samantha is a ghost haunting, haunting someone's house. Right. (laughs) And given Samantha's actual story from the American Girl brand, it's just even funnier. Uh, It's just hits the mark. I don't know. Yeah. I think that it's fun because so many people 
grew up with American Girl and know the characteristics these dolls have, I think they like to think of them as the American Girl dolls. I think there's a, a lot of fun there. I just saw somebody commented something like, I love that Samantha is the kind of bossy ringleader or something. And and it's they love that because that's what they associate Samantha with. Um, and I do try to, even when I cast them as other characters, in the comments, always remind them, you know, these are the actors are Felicity, Josefina, Addie, Samantha, etc. Um, but I do think there is something with leaning into what we all know and think about those dolls that makes it funny to in the videos. Speaking about what we know and what we think and about our, our lives with these dolls, I had another friend who shared her memories of American Girl and the way that her personal values and sense of place in history actually affected how she experienced one of the dolls is was so interesting. Mm -hmm. So I had um, Felicity um, because I am from Massachusetts and I think that like every Massachusetts girl had Felicity because <laughs> she was in Massachusetts um, as far as I remember. To be clear, I do think that Sunny is wrong about this. Uh, she is completely wrong about this. She, so she's wrong about this. Yes, Felicity grows up in Williamsburg, Virginia. But I knew girls in childhood who had the same perception of Felicity. Like, colonial doll. And I I should admit at this point that I also grew up in Massachusetts. <laughs> um, so we grew up Confess. in Massachusetts, right? We're educated regularly about the essential role that Massachusetts played in American colonial history. There's a lot of exceptionalism baked into that, at least in my education. Yeah. Felicity, therefore, is from Massachusetts. I mean, I too am from Massachusetts and had Felicity, so that part tracks. But then Sunny was also not about the dolls at all. She had Felicity, but what was important to her were the books. Mm. I was not really a doll kid. Uh, so I got the books and I was really into the books. And she has her horse, Penny. I mean, I still remember, like, she sneaks into the neighbor's field and there's Penny in the field and she, like, tames the horse and it's great. Um, and I was definitely a horse girl, so <laughs> strong. It's a strong overlap. Yeah, I was, like, obsessed with Misty of Shinkatig and stuff. Um, and so the fact that Felicity was, like, kind of a tomboy and had a horse and, like, loved the horse so much, um, that was definitely a big plus for me. Okay, I just want to, I want to pause on this tomboy thing because this is such a major part of the American girl mystique. So here's Nicole again. I liked that they were all kind of tomboyish and breaking the rules and getting their knees scraped. And I felt like they represented a different idea of historical girlhood that I was into. I think it definitely felt inspirational and it felt I mean, I'm sure not everyone would agree with this, but it felt queer under, there felt like there were queer undertones in that the girls, we are looking at history, they're all wearing dresses, but they're not um, princesses. And I was never really into princesses except historical ones, of course. They were all very independent and had to figure out these difficult things and wanted to break the rules and were all ahead of their time. A lot of like coded language that historians have always used to talk about queer people. I'm not saying like all the American Girl dolls are gay, but hey. Um, but I do think that there is something to how they were written that resonated. This idea of the characters resonating specifically because they were not princesses, specifically because they did things in the books that like the boy characters were doing, like Samantha climbs a tree like the mean boy who lives next door. They're both doing the same activity, right? 
I call this the Joe March <laughs> principle. <laughs> Joe March, like little women, the boisterous, improper, independent one who's also a writer and her best friend's uh, Lori. Yes, exactly. And, you know, the one who cannot get over her disappointment in not being a boy. That is a line from the book. The one who Greta Gerwig in the most recent uh, Little Women movie granted a very different non-marriage ending. Ambiguously non-marriage. Ambi- but... Yeah, that's true. But it's still very important, right? It is, it is. No, it was cool. I mean, thinking back to that picture of the soccer ball and the doll, uh, me holding them when I was like, whatever, 10. I think I've, I people were like, oh, those represents your two sides. And I always thought that, that was like, that's wrong. Oh. <laughs> it's, the, it's the same side. What an interesting thing to say. You know? Your two sides. Yeah, like, like I don't the dichotomous know. Justine. I don't, huh. it's, it's this idea. I think it, maybe there's something similar to the the gender binary yeah. in that, you know, like sports versus dolls. And I was like, but I'm one person. Yeah. It's all <laughs> the same. <laughs> um, this thing that Sunny was saying about not being a doll person. I have heard this from several people now in their 30s or early 40s, who you know. Uh, were very familiar with the brand in their youth and th- and familiar with the books, and they just weren't into the toys themselves. The content of the books themselves, historical narratives with the whole peek into the past history section. Yeah, and, and also to your point, a brand that is making things for you. These American Girl books were historical fiction. They were also absolutely accessible. They were brief. They packed a punch, taught you real history, but they were pretty to look at and, yeah, quick reads. These are short books that do not intimidate. Yeah. I think one of the things that the American Girl doll books did was that they were pretty short. They were very accessible for a young kid, but they were of a reading ability that didn't make me feel bored. (laughs) They were a really nice, like, entry-level thing. And I also grew up reading the Little House on the Prairie books, and so I was really used to reading about books, like, about like people from other times and specifically like girls from other times um, and sort of that like semi-historical almost memoir style which was kind of how they were written Um, and so I think that that just really resonated with me I don't know that it like shaped my interest in history or reading or anything I think they just sort of hit me at exactly the right time when I needed something accessible to read and I was interested in other times other places and they were just kind of right in there you know i just started rereading them actually because i was curious the reading level is accessible for elementary schoolers maybe at least i don't know second grade and above and the the chapters are short there are these beautiful illustrations in them Each book starts with, and however I should say they've changed. I haven't seen the new books. The books I grew up on, they've shortened. There used to be six in a series, now there's only three. So they've made some changes. But the books I grew up on, there was the character page with everyone's image at the top. Once again, I think it's that really, really strong world building, establishing the characters, um, really great hooks of what's happening in the beginning of each book, a clear obstacle um, that allowed us to root for the characters with common themes that kids could relate to today from the past. It felt like the perfect um, meal. So I want to bring in one more voice here. This is my friend Molly, a different Molly from before. My name is Molly Adams. 
I am an American girl. So I had the American girl doll, Molly. Of course, what else would I have? And I had an older sister, her name is Ariel, and she received Addie at the same time that I received Molly. And I was born in 1986, white girl, middle-class background, prime American girl doll customer. And Molly did, like she said, have an American girl doll. But for her, and Hannah, I know you've talked about this too, these dolls were understood to be a big deal cost-wise. They were and are so expensive. And so there was there was the thing of having a doll and maybe you would get some accessories. And then there was also this whole other level that people could achieve. And then my childhood best friend who lived two blocks from me, she and her sisters had between them all of the American Girl dolls. So these neighbor girls had all the dolls between them, a huge amount of accessories. They also had a lot of briar horses. Oh my God, briar horses. Do you remember briar horses? I wanted one so badly. And I just knew that they were just not allowed. They were so expensive. They were really expensive. I felt like, I mean, I just knew they were so tied up with status, like from the beginning. They were an expensive doll that had expensive accessories. And it was not a thing that my parents would buy for us. So we spent like probably three years. We spent three years asking for the dolls for Christmas or Hanukkah um, because we kind of celebrate both in my family. Um, Can we get the dolls? Can we get the dolls? And like uh, knowing my parents, part of it was like, you're too young to take care of them. But like that, it's such a paradox of a very expensive toy because like the whole point is to play with it. It was like, so then by the time they felt like we were old enough to take care of them, we were a little too old to play with them. But I was still extremely excited to get it because it was a status symbol. So having achieved the reception of the American Girl doll, I felt like I had achieved some part of childhood. I can actually, I can remember viscerally looking at Samantha's bedroom set, looking at Felicity's horse in the catalog. These were things that I desperately wanted. And I knew as a young child that they were also beyond the socioeconomic reach of the McCarthy Clark house. Like I could see how much they cost and they, they would not be possessed by me. I just knew it. It was a really, it was, it was one of the early lessons as to how much my family could afford. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we talked a little bit about having, then we took them out into the woods and stuff, but um, it was definitely like, you, you're treating that doll that way? Like, really? And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess my parents weren't completely strict about it because we still did that, but, um, you know, they were different than Beanie Babies or something. Um, yeah. And also, we you repaired them if they fell apart. Like, you could send them back to the company and um, get it fixed, which is also, it would cost money, but... The idea was like it was it was worth that investment to get them repaired, which is not what most childhood toys. That's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. To this day, I could send either of these dolls sitting on this table to the American Girl Hospital. Yeah, they would come back with a little cast. Yeah. One last thing that Molly pointed out, and it seems like there are a number of people who fall into this camp as well, is that um, speaking to the repair thing, you don't throw these dolls away. You save them either because they were wildly expensive or because there's this vague sense that they are 
going to be passed on to the next generation. They are heirlooms somehow. Yeah. All right. I just want to leave our listeners with one last little missive from Nicole Daniels, because I I really cannot fully answer the question that has grown and grown for me over the course of making these episodes, which is something along the lines of like, why, though? Why are these dolls so significant? Why do they say so much about my childhood? Why do they touch this happy and nostalgic and bittersweet nerve even today. Why is Civics 101 now an American Girl podcast? Right. I mean, it happened so quickly. Just all of a sudden, that's all we're doing. But it just seems so right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, can it possibly be true that American Girl dolls are somehow tied to my present day obsession with history, with understanding America's past, with desperately wanting to make the past tangible for others? Uh, you know, is my assurance of the inherent value of that particular project somehow tied to a childhood toy? And honestly, I feel like Nicole, um, in telling this story, gave me a kind of answer of like, yeah, why not? I mean, for me, it 100% was because the though I, I did really like the dolls, I loved the books. And that is why when I was eight years old, I went onto the early internet and found out that you could be a volunteer costumed interpreter at George Washington's Mount Vernon. And I told my parents I want to do this. And they begrudgingly <laughs> would drive me there from Baltimore on the weekend to work at the hands-on history tent. And I would dress in costume. and. It was mostly third person interpretation. So everyone else there was in a costume, but would just say back then they would eat like this. But I was like, this is not the way. This is not how it should be done. Why would you wear a costume and talk like you exist today? And so I would just be in my own bubble interacting as an eight year old with the visitors saying like, good day, how are you? My father, da, da, da. And that is 100%. I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna say it wouldn't have happened without American Girl, but American Girl at, by the age of eight was my biggest exposure to history and to girls and women's roles in history, which was what I actually love to talk about in the hands-on history tent to other kids and tell them this is what you would have been doing like with me or whatever, yeah. I gotta say, same, Nicole, same. That does it for this episode. It was produced by me, Hannah McCarthy, with Justine Paradise. Nick Capodice is my co-host. Christina Phillips is our senior producer. And Rebecca Lavoie is our executive producer. Music in this episode by 8-Bits, Corderol, Craig Reaver, Low5, Care B and Alleviate, Gunnar Johnson, and Rijko. If you're listening to this episode and thinking, what are these people talking about? You should go back and listen to our two full episodes on American Girl Dolls. And learn what we learned, because there's a lot there. You're going to be amazed. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. 